In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... David, bro, we're going to get started anytime today. Come on, David. Brought to you by. This is the part of the show where we do that thing. All right. It's 51. All right. So David's dropping the ball. Anybody got 51? 51. 51 weeks in a year? Nope. 52. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's close. Is anyone of us 51 years old? I thought you were. I am not. I'm okay. decades away from that. <laughs> decades. Not decades. Did you hit the red record button, by the way? Oh, hold on. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> already, I recorded most of your chatting. Brought to you by the one. number of seconds we have not been recording. There you uh, go. <laughs> beautiful. No. Beautiful. Okay, what's something 51? Area 51. Area uh, 51. How did you not come up with that? No disrespect, but you're the paranormal guy. I am the paranormal you're guy. You're a paranormal guy? Oh, dude. I did not hardcore. know this. I love the paranormal and all things kind Is of. Is there another bromance that. developing? I did not know this. Oh, boy. I, so... Okay, I'm look, big, don't make J- David jealous. Okay, what about cryptozoology? Are you down with that too? I'm down, down with, with the foot, CZZ. <laughs> okay, yeah, you down with CZZ, Cupacabra, all that. Okay, you bet, you bet. So, hey, just for the people watching and listening at home, what in the world is uh, Area 51 all about? Area 51 is the formerly top secret government base in. Uh, is that Roswell, yes. New Mexico? New Mexico. Um, that for a long time people have been uh, uh, surmising that they were keeping aliens and alien aircraft from the American people. The truth is out there. Unseal the documents, Mr. President. Unseal the documents. And Mulder and Scully are going to come back in 2016, aren't and they? And I'm excited. It's are only you? for six episodes or something. Oh, so they're in kind of a doctor. It's not a whole. Sherlock. It, you remember when like twenty twenty four did like a half season? Yeah. Which have, they're doing that kind of thing. See, I actually not enough for me. Yeah, I, well, okay, it's one but, of my favorite shows of all time. I, I need more. I'm I'm with you. X Files is the best, except oh, yeah. for the the ones where Jim Doggett was in there instead of uh, Scully. I mean Mulder. Mulder. Yeah. So raise your hand. I was okay with Doggett. He was okay. He was okay, he was okay no but he, he's no Mulder. I don't. I watched that periodically. I never. I wasn't like a, a habitual watcher. Fabulous show. show. Look, it was. I love what I watched of it, but. Um, By the way, uh, Area 51 in Nevada. That's right. That's it's right. close to Roswell. Roswell that's where the they crash. Took the crash. Yeah yeah. 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 Now I'm getting my sights mixed up. Forgive yeah, it happens. me. I know I'm going to open myself up to criticism by saying this, but I did love the show Roswell. Uh, Roswell was a pretty was good, good show. show. Pretty good show. When they switched networks, they kind of lost their. Yeah, Roswell was good. So, good show. Um, but I like the BBC way of doing shows where you have a story like. The Sherlock. I, I know the Sherlock does it. They have three episodes. Yeah. They're longer form. The Fall. Yeah. I watched Sherlock and The Fall. Um, that's a good one. Hey, by the way, we could have said uh, 51 the number of times a week that Joel Osteen gets his teeth whitened, as live viewer <laughs> IMYK13 suggested. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> that wow. Is. That would have been very David McConnell-ish, too. That would have been. I'm sorry we missed that. So let's do it. David's awfully quiet so far. Right, well, look, <laughs> it took him 51 episodes to learn how there to you go. take a breath. Yeah. Um, Let's do introductions real quick. I'm Chase. I'm Emmanuel. 
and I am the one they call Nick. So um, we're going to go ahead and get started uh, this week. I think the general did some polling in the hall and um, found in the what the hall. What is that? Are we supposed to talk about that? We probably should mention. Are it. you sure? Fifteen seconds, no more. Okay, HallofDogma.com. It is a Facebook group where a lot of discussions happen, um, very similar to what a lot of uh, podcasts have with uh, Reddit groups. Uh, but this is kind of where where members, uh, listeners to the show go um, and just spend some time with one another. We have uh, some very serious conversations, some very lighthearted conversations. Um, it is a closed group, so there's a, a degree of uh, degree of privacy. Obviously, anyone can, can join, but uh, we try to keep things uh, civil in there. Um, and uh, just kind of encourage one another and, and support one another through this walk of faith. You want to know who joined today? Who joined today? David's mother-in-law. Mary? Yeah. Really? I, I let oh, her in. God save I saw David's mother-in-law? I, I saw the request, and I'm the one who let her in. And uh, Did you did you give her a proper warning before you did that? I did not. I figured she'd do what she was getting into. <laughs> I, I I didn't even know she listened. That's funny. Well, well I don't know. Welcome this. aboard, Mary. Now That's I feel awesome. like I'm going to have to be like respectful and... And stuff. Well, just to her, not to the rest of <laughs> Just in general. I didn't know if she listened to the podcast. So. Look, I really was afraid last night I was going to have to elsa myself on that thread, but it went well. So. <laughs> there are certain people in the hall that I just do not engage or in certain topics. I just let it go. Yeah. Um, just because I know that I'm not capable of, you know. There's, this doesn't end well. You just know it all. My through. wife has gotten on to me about Facebook debates and because, <laughs> no, seriously, this is a true story. She has seen me literally arguing with somebody on Facebook, and next thing she knows, I'm buying plane tickets. <laughs> like I'm like I'm going. She's like, "What are you? Do? I'm going to see this guy." <laughs> that is beautiful because he talks a lot on Facebook. But Can I want to see what name he... names of people you have almost Chase. bought plane tickets Chase. to go. Nobody kill? in the hall. Oh, oh okay, good, um, good, good. Yeah, but there are people who I just won't, I just did won't you hear that yet. Yeah. Tristan lives locally. I just have to get you guys together. Yeah. I, no, I like Tristan. I know you do. Oh, look, he's he's a fan. Um, I can't tell you how many Mondays or Tuesdays. after We had a show. Discussions will kick up in the hall, and he's like, Emmanuel, man. <laughs> I was like, you would love Emmanuel if you met him. It's funny. Yeah, I like, I like Tristan. So, But, no, you got um, one of the things kind of interested you. Yeah, so uh, uh, Chase's favorite person in the world, uh, one of his favorite actors. Uh, David? No, oh. uh, Kirk Cameron. David's oh. not his favorite. It's hey, Nick, we don't we don't Nick even get invited like to, to fight parties. I like Kirk Cameron. Oh, okay, it's Nick that didn't like Kirk Cameron. Uh, I just I don't didn't know like the about. Christmas movie so much. Um, the Saving Christmas. Have you seen it or you, or you just re- react to the trailer? I, the trailer. Okay. <laughs> it, it I'm, terrible, I'm a terrible person. It should have been a documentary. Just if you want to say that stuff, just make it. You said it. You saw it. It wasn't that bad. I did not it? see it. I, I saw bits and pieces oh, of I it. Okay. And then I realized that. That it was probably a sin for me to waste my time that way. Um, you want to avoid sinning, as yes, best you can. I, I try to. Um, but he's in he's in Alabama doing a marriage conference, and he Kirk I, is yes, and he's the he, and he's the we could add him on the show. He's the guy oh, who's doing. I'm who's sure doing he the, would have been knocking down our door. He's bet. he's doing the the teaching and and things. Uh, so it's it's his views on marriage. Okay, and it's called uh, Love Worth Fighting For. All right, and. Uh, by the way, you know his wife's name? A little bit of Kirk Cameron trivia for you guys. Mrs. Cameron. Nope. Well, okay. <laughs> that obviously is her name now, but her former name was Chelsea Noble. I know that because she starred for a while on Growing Pains. With him. Mm-hmm. Where they Correct. were enemies of the entire cast. That's right. right. Well, well, Julie <laughs> yeah. McCullough was his original girlfriend. She was a little wild in real life. So uh, once Kirk got saved, they kind of showed Julie the door and brought Chelsea Noble in. 
Mm. That's fascinating. Well, it's not fascinating, but yeah. it's something. I was trying to be kind. Thank you. you I go. appreciate that. As a Christian podcast, we should be <laughs> kind to each other. Yeah, and so here's the thing. I'm I'm very passionate about marriage. I sure. I love to help couples who are you know have trouble marriages and things like that. But the there's everybody has a marriage conference, a marriage book, um, you know, a lot of the the more high profile Christian uh people all have marriage books. Right. Tim Keller, Mark Driscoll, yeah, uh, Rob Bell, Rob Bell. One of these things is not like the other. The Zim Zoom of love. Um, so everybody That's has the a marriage. best one, isn't it? <laughs> I have not read it. Uh, I don't know why anybody would read. But that, if you but can I, take a uh, a uh, Jewish mystic <laughs> principle and make a marriage book out of it, more power to you. But uh, he's certainly trying. And and I and I, so I start thinking like, do we make marriage harder than it is by paying too much attention to it? If that makes sense. Mm. Um, now I'm my marriage is fairly easy, so I don't want to just over. So it could just be a personal thing, mm-hmm. but it just seems like there's a lot of marriage advice, a lot of uh, books and conferences geared toward helping people have a a better marriage. So either marriages are really in trouble and. You know, or it's, it's you know, and I, and I guess my thought is, do we make marriage too hard as far as because think about this. If you were a, a, a single person who right. wanted to get married and everywhere you turn, there were conferences and books geared toward helping people stay together. What would be your first thought? Like, you know, well, you know, the cynical part of me, the first thing that kicks in is the the publishing marketing machine that even though these pastors are pastors as well, they have publishing contracts signed with these companies and you know, nothing sells. I'm pro- I'm pretty sure nothing probably sells better than the, the next hot Christian speaker and his book on marriage. Mm. So does Joe Osteen have a, <clears throat> a marriage book? Look, your best life now sold a bagaz- you know, gazillion oh, look, I, copies. I'm, a lot. I'm sure he has. Um, Either one on the way or one written, but to me that that's Your where best my marriage is. now. There you go, exactly. Um, but no, it just seems like it's a marketing. I want royalties, Joel. I want royalties. <laughs> you probably just sold a dozen copies in just that that shout out. No, what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to be a source on the internet. We hear Joel's marriage book is coming. Like, <laughs> there will be a Joel fan page. We so should th- affiliate. Do some affiliate marketing. So you think it's Joel. just a marketing? I want thing. to keep my soul. Thank you very much. Oh, so, so you're saying you would lose your soul by part? Really? Well, you're going to get me in trouble again this <laughs> week. Trying. I won't even oh, lie to you. I will partner with Joel Osteen for the right price. Uh, well, you know what's what's the right price? Ten million? It didn't happen. Maybe five hundred. Five hundred dollars? Cheap. That is yeah. pretty cheap. I, I would partner. Well, that, here's the thing. What he can do is he can he can boomerang it later. Where he starts out and hey, even I couldn't help him. Uh, here here's the inside scoop, and he can he can sell out again for the inside scoop later. That's a good point. Yeah, Make money point. on the front and the back. And, and I'll give you an example of of my uh, I guess a parallel example of this. Yeah. Do we make parenting too hard? And see, and my, 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 my thesis on this is just basically that the more information that is thrown at you about something, right. it can make it more complicated than it needs to be, I guess is my, my point. As a father of five, I will say that children make parenting too hard. <laughs> I like that. Go with the obvious. I'm a, I'm a lot easier, but yeah. the kid's not so much. What do you think, Nick? Well, the, parent, the parenting thing is, is 
or is a different topic with with marriage the the caveat i'll give there um is that i think christians may make marriages too hard and the unsaved don't take it seriously enough um but with christians my here's here's my my thesis on christians um Christian marriage is hard because people are unprepared for it. But everybody's everybody's got to get married. You've got to get married. When are you going to get married? Da, 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 da. And everybody's pushed to marriage. And there's this there's this since kids are three and five years old, as the pre-show discusses, you're, you're pushed to marriage. But do we prepare them for it? Because and I'm I'm not an advocate of, of teenage dating. I've said that on the show before. But you know we we keep the genders split apart for as as long as humanly possible until we can't. We can't keep them apart anymore. But then, as soon as they express interest, are y'all are y'all planning to get married? No, we haven't been on a third date yet. And then we teach the boys to be afraid of women. Cause, yeah, because all women are out to steal your soul. And so, are you not afraid of women? No, at least a little bit. No, but because of that, I think totally marriage awesome. can be harder than it has to be. Um, and if, if it's the couples making it too hard, or the church is making it too hard, I don't know. But I, I do think that. Um, that creates a little bit because I, I know when I got married, I was I was not prepared for marriage, and I don't know that anybody can be, but it was just the next step you had to take, whether you were ready or not. And me and my wife, um, we were part of a church, and we were in a, in a ministry capacity, and and we were one of the Christian couples that looked right on paper, but we didn't have a clue of what we were getting into. But nobody, because we looked good on paper, nobody took the time to say, "Hey, <laughs> look for." Umpteen different things. I don't know. Well, maybe hard is the wrong word. Maybe complicated is, is the, a better word than hard. Um, now, me That's, and my wife are both therapists, and so we kind of know how to, I guess, navigate issues. We kind of did our own premarital counseling with each other. Oh, uh, wow. Um, and then we, we did it with our pastor as well, but we kind of did pre-premarital counseling. Okay. And then we did premarital counseling. But So maybe – just having a skill set that we have just from our training might made it made ours easier. Okay. Um, but I do think there's a, a, a point where you can over overcomplicate anything to the point that makes it harder. Well, coach us a little bit, uh, counselor Emmanuel. <laughs> oh, wow. G- give us it's a couple of tips. Uh, and I'll let you have a chance to think of one because I'll share one that I, I learned uh, in our mar- marriage counseling class. Give, I, I'm going to ask you, give, give us a, t- a couple of tips on communication in marriage that, that make things easier. One thing I learned at premarital counseling I'll never forget is that when, uh, when you get into an argument, and this is a little pithy, it's a little... Uh, a little squirrely, but it, there's a, there's a sense that it's worked for us. When you get into an argument, don't attack the person. Push the issue out to the side. Deal more with the issue and, and, and avoid things like you're so stubborn, you're so this, you're so that. Yeah. Avoid attacking sort of mentality. Use I statements, not you statements. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> you know, that's, you okay, know, the, the counselor straight that's up came out. That's very That's very practical, but it's helped my wife and I. Yeah. Give, us, give me something better than that. I don't know if it's better. My, my, here's some advice from my dad, uh, who was not a great husband, by the way. Uh, don't say anything that you can't take back. I look. Um, I'll I'll agree with that. Uh, another piece of advice from my uncle: Do what you have to do, so you can do what you want to do. Meaning, if you take care of home first, then there won't be any objections when you want to do other things, um, which has been I, good advice. Yeah. That is good advice. Um, but most of it's just simple stuff. Uh, I always say that 
all relationships break down because of one reason. Either one or both parties got selfish. You know. Selfishness. Selfishness, Selfishness. kills communication, kills marriages. Yeah. I want my way at everything. the expense of the other person. Well, let me ask you this. Is in your... You, you kind of asked, do we make marriage too hard or marriage too complicated? In in your role, uh, you know, obviously Chase in his role as pastor sees some things, and, and he's mentioned that. Um, but feel free to jump in after after Emmanuel speaks. But in the counseling that you've been able to do, what what do you see as the the most prevalent or most significant thing um, that people come in with, um, not betraying any kind of confidence of your position, obviously. Uh, well, usually the four major things that counselors usually see is uh, in-laws, okay, money, okay. sex, and parenting. Those are like the four, the big four presenting problems. Okay, but but behind them is always some sort of selfishness. Somebody wants their way. So when me and my wife first got married, she had this vision of of her husband who's going to want to spend you know copious hours with her family. And I was like, I don't even spend a, you know a lot of time with my own family. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. You know, we'll, we'll go to these events. We'll take separate cars so I can leave. <laughs> you know, when I get tired of it. Um, and and so there was that was an issue mm-hmm. um, because she had one ideal of how in law relationships were. And I was like, look, nobody wants to hang out with their in laws all day. She's like, really? People don't like to hang out with in laws. Like, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. Parenting. Do you think your approach of of just being honest on the front end, yeah, helped her expectations? I think so, but I always tell, especially I tell guys, the way you are is the way you're going to have to stay. So don't try to put up this front on the front end and then get married, and then you have to you have to maintain that. Just be honest and let them, you know, let your spouse to be your fiance or whatever. Be mad then instead of going in <laughs> under under. False because, pretenses. because guys don't like to argue. And so right. guys will overlook a lot of things because no man wants to argue with a woman. It's the most maddening That's thing. That's very true. It's the most maddening thing on earth. Like, I'll do anything if I don't have to argue with well, a woman. Even if you win, you don't win. There's no winning. No, there's uh, no winning. There's no winning. And so Every victory is a Pyrrhic victory. Yeah. As, as, as the saying goes, you can be right or you can be married. And so there's no – there's being right, you know, profits you nothing. We may have a title. I thought the title was going to be down it's with CZZ. Good. But, mm. you know, so. you can be right or you can be married. Let me ask you this. What do you think about uh, his needs, her needs? Just the basic philosophy that underlies the Christian best-selling book. I have marriage. it on my shelf. I have not read it. Um I do think there is something that 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 men and women have, for the most part, different needs. But uh, but but there's some overlap. Uh, generally, uh, the way I was taught was there's six basic emotional needs, um, and I can never remember all six. But there's respect. Um, there's uh, there's respect. There is uh, a relational need. There is significance. There's success, um, and so you know, men they want they want to feel successful. Hmm. They want to feel significant. Um, and there's another S one that I can't remember. Um, respect. It's got a match. <laughs> no, that's not an emotional need. It's a physical oh, okay. need, but but that's big. That depends on who you ask. Uh, <laughs> put it this way: if you're not getting it, uh, your emotions will suffer. <laughs> See, I agree with. See, that. that's where I was going to go with it because there is an emotional component to it. Yeah, um, it just starts on the, the women physical. don't understand that. But uh, so I, 
I think there's, I think there's something to that. But basically, you know, give your partner what they need if it's reasonable, and that's where the that's the trick is is what somebody's requesting reasonable Hmm. and everybody has a different idea of what reasonable is Hmm. Uh, so some people are and the way that you kind of find out is really through relationships with other couples and you've you know you realize that you know folding the towels a certain way is really not that big of a deal Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know but but to them it's like you know um, I was talking to a group of people the other day and I was telling them that you know the way that my my wife is from New York and she has a, a New York accent and the way that she pronounces gum makes me want to divorce right away like I can't <laughs> how does she say it I, I don't I don't know it's just gum I don't it's gum. that New York she's from Queens and I just you know I well, we definitely t- have New Yorkers listening now. I, I leave toothpaste in the sink and she wants to call a lawyer it's a big deal and, and I was like babe it's toothpaste yeah but you don't understand I, I understand it makes you feel a certain way and you want to but but in the end, it's toothpaste. Like, it's not easy to clean toothpaste out of a sink. In her not defense, after it's but, dried. Yeah, no, especially not after it's dried. I'm also thinking about my kid's bathroom. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's going to go to a bad point. That, but I, I'll clean it out. But in the end, it's only us who live there. It's just us. That's nobody's funny. you know nobody's coming in inspecting our sinks. It, but it's for her. It's a, it's a. <laughs> I don't feel like you love me if you don't clean toothpaste. And I'm like, babe. It's toothpaste. That's a little bit of a granular definition of love. Is it a little too detailed? But, but everybody has those things. Yeah, they yeah. do. I'm sure I do. But is it and, is it love or is it again that does it go back to that respect of you know this is a priority for me? Work it out. Does and that it make just, sense? And some things there sometimes there's things that you just need to just do. Right. Uh, and some things maybe you can say, look, is this really that big of a deal? And yeah. so I think there's a there's a you know, but in the end. You, and I hate this phrase, and, my, and, and people say it all the time. You know, if mama ain't happy, nobody happy. Mm. I don't care about mama not being happy. If, oh. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do want my wife to be happy, but not at the expense of, <laughs> of my own happiness. That, and that's where the problem comes, that we, it's, there's a selfish, selfishness there. I think you would agree with the premise largely in Willard Harley's his, need, her, his needs, her needs, which is essentially that – that you affair proof your marriage by the husband meeting his wife's needs felt or otherwise and the wife meeting her husband's needs felt or otherwise and it's kind of a a, a dance essentially of two people meeting each other's needs. Yeah. I have multiple country songs going through my head right now. Sorry. Go ahead. Probably. It, I mean it, it sounds good on paper if if you believe that affairs are really about people not getting their needs met. Um but your experience tell, tells you otherwise. Well, no. I mean, sometimes it is that. But to me, that's an excuse. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. If you want to fair-proof your marriage, don't have an affair. <laughs> it's really, that's another good title. It's, it's, not, it's not complicated. Uh, you know? Are you trying to get us to lose subscribers by the title of the show? That's probably not a good idea. Uh, all right. And, and I know it sounds overly simplistic. And there are people like, well, I felt close to this person. And I told them my stuff. And she was a coworker, And we worked late nights. Well, don't do that if you can't. You know, it, it's. You know, I don't worry about my I don't worry about having an affair because I'm not going to have an affair because it's just not what I'm going to do. I made a commitment. Yeah, it didn't matter if I'm getting my look. Nobody, no one person is going to meet your needs twenty four seven. Anyway, there's plenty of times that when my a, needs go unmet and my wife's needs go unmet. It's not an excuse to get them met elsewhere. Suck it up and be faithful to your spouse. Amen. I, I just it, it frustrates me. Thank. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah. Call it dropped. One quick question before we move on to our 
time to play a game. How, what's the best way to simplify something that you're saying we've overcomplicated? How can we simplify marriage? Oh, how can we simplify marriage? If, if you're a Christian especially, husband, submit to Christ. Wife, submit to husband, whether you want to or not. Um, like I said, love is about that service. That feedback will go to Emmanuel at thegospelfriends.com. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true because that's what, that's what love is. Love is, 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 is seeing other people more valuable than yourself. It's putting other people first. In humility, consider others better yeah. than yourself. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, you know, I serve my wife. Um, she asked me something. She'll ask, she asked me something the other day. Do you feel like making me something to eat? It's like, nope, I don't feel like making you something to eat, but I'll do it anyway because I love you. Yeah. And there's times where she didn't feel like doing stuff. Um, and she'll do it because she loves me, you know? Uh, so get a, get a better definition of love. You know, and realize that no person can meet your needs 100 percent. I think that's, you know, I think that and, and, and a relationship meets the needs of both people involved to a certain extent. Right. If one person is getting all their needs met and the other person isn't, that's not love. That's abuse. Hmm. And so there has to be some reciprocity. But, you know. Hey, big word alert. Reciprocity. That's a good one. That's a school word right there. There you, you go, baby. You smart people. Word. So yeah, just you know, love your spouse whether they and here's a here's a word, and and I hate this word. Love your spouse whether they deserve it or not. Mm, You hate the word love, and I hate the word deserve. (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right, lovely. Anytime somebody says deserve, I always just say we don't deserve anything but hell. I I, I try to eradicate. How very reformed of you. It's a bit reformed of you. Well done. Yeah, I lean heavily reformed, despite my you know traitor. I like Reformed doctrine. I just don't like Reformed people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's the best title we've gotten so far. I like Reformed doctrine. I don't like Reformed people. Except, think, except for John Piper, who, is, who, is, who can do no wrong in my eyes. Look, that is, that is a gracious, godly brother right there. Yeah. But you're right. The majority, I'm going to see him on the uh, 30th, I think. Where is he coming? Is he's, he coming here? Yeah, he's going to be here for a look at the book conference. Thank you for mentioning that. Me and we David are going. To that. No, what, what the heck? Man. Uh, Thanks a lot, guys. I, I told David about it, and we went and bought tickets that like hmm. a month ago. I, I thought he would share the the news. Welcome into episode fifty one <laughs> of the Gospel Trader Coworkers. Once again, acquaintances. <laughs> acquaintances. I guess okay. Downgraded from coworkers to acquaintances. Well, every, JD Hall oh. talks about the Baptist downgrade all the time. We're going to talk about the Gospel <laughs> Friends downgrade. There's, to, uh, tickets may still be available. It's going to be at the church at, church at Brook Hills. Um, I work over at the Church of Brook Hills. I can sneak in. How about that? <laughs> you use your employee yeah. badge. There you go. I will. Yeah. All right, David. Any um, any closing thoughts on this? I guess that laryngitis has really taken hold of him pretty hard. Man, indeed. All right, well, it's Man, time indeed. to play <laughs> the game. I'll just. Peel back the curtain just a little bit. David was supposed to have the game today, but he has come in slightly under the weather, and uh, we just within 30 seconds had to come up with a game. I'm going to uh, awesome. That actually, the look at the book conference that Emmanuel showed me right now looks looks good. I'm going to give you a 
a slightly weaker game than most of our long-term listeners and viewers are used to. But we're just going to have to roll with it uh, in honor of our viewing of the Avengers over the weekend, Age yes. of Ultron. This is Avengers trivia. It is primarily from the first movie. And most of the questions aren't great, but it's still a competition. You can send your complaints to David McConnell at thegospelfriends.com, which probably isn't an address, but you know you can still send your cl- complaints there. Here's a question for you. I thought you wanted me to change his name to Trader at thegospelfriends.com. <laughs> That'll work too. Okay. Trader at thegospelfriends.com. Just forward it. All right, guys, just shout out. These are just going to be buzz in and answer as fast as you can. One point each, not too complicated. Number one, which of the following Avengers from the comics is not in either movie? Is it Captain America, Black Widow, Hawkeye, or the Wasp? The Wasp. The Wasp. The Wasp. Nick gets a point Woo-hoo. there. Well done, Nick. Sorry, Sorry quick. No multiple choice here. What is Agent Coulson's first name? Phil. Phil. Didn't know that one. I, I, my first response was Chuck. Chuck is close. Chuck <laughs> Colson did not quite make uh, the cut for the for the movie. Um, he passed though, didn't he? Yes, Rest he did. Peace, that Chuck. depends on. So, did I get the point or not? You got the point. Thank it's you. two to nothing. Woo-hoo. This could be Emmanuel the first time Tahiti's a magical you place. have ever lost a gospel. I know. Game. I'm undefeated in a. Oh, he's going to start throwing you questions here in a second. This is tough. No, I know the answer. I didn't know that one, but I got to be quick. Okay, next question. Emmanuel, what is your middle name? <laughs> it's Paul. I was going to say right, that's Pete. five points. I know that from his email. <laughs> five points, five Teacher. to two. <laughs> nah. The fix is in. Okay, here's question number three. When Loki is locked up in the shield Hello carrier, who gets him to reveal that Black he's – Widow. Planning, oh, that's three to nothing. Planning to get Banner to change into the Hulk and destroy the ship from within. Emmanuel, you are in the hole, three to nothing. He's, he's just faster than me. He is faster than you. He's got all his synapses firing today. And, and I've seen this movie probably about a hundred times. My wife watches it like every week. All right, number four, and it's being suggested that we do a Bible sword drill. That's a oh, good idea. We've oh. done a bit of that before. Uh, Google is, works wonderfully is for that. Pretty good at Bible sword drill. Number have four. we done a sword drill before? Like we actually legit? haven't done a legit sword drill. We I don't even know what that is. Do. That's well, dude. That's where we call out oh. a reference in the first one to get to the reference and read a physical a Bible. Yeah, a physical, but not an iPad Bible or an iPhone Bible or an Android Bible. A a piece is old school, like nineteen Bible. early nineties children's I, church. I'd probably lose that. I know a lot of verses. I have no idea where they are. Love Unless it. it's Old Testament. I know my Old Testament. Hey, no. No, no. You, you, you get the reference. You get the reference. It's just knowing where it is in the Bible and flipping to it. It's oh, not okay. difficult. Yeah, you physically oh, okay. have you to just, get to the page. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's oh, not, it's not memory. Ah, uh, so memory. it's just knowing like where Corinthians is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then get to the page. And flipping to it fast. It's knowing. <laughs> man, I've been using electronics so long. <laughs> That's <laughs> Look, a problem. Dude. That's a problem, man. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm ashamed to say. Well, I'm not ashamed to say. I'm happy to say i don't carry my my 10 pound esv study bible <laughs> around very much the best bible i carry I ever my pound ipad air which has like 50 translations on it including the original greek and see and that's why i carry the tablet so i can go to the greek or the hebrew and look at it um but i've i've, I've started going back to molecular form i'm, I'm starting really? to, yeah i, I miss the appeal paper is better for memory, it's it, better for 
You know, you get the tactile. Yeah. And all that. It's sensuous. It's definitely better pages. for study. But when I'm yeah, carrying something awkward. somewhere, yeah. I, I carry my iPad yeah, Bible. I respect that. I preach out of the iPad. So, All right. What's the next question I'm going to write? Back to this butt kicking. Which Avengers girlfriend makes an appearance in the film that isn't just a quick picture or flashback Pepper to Potts. one of their solo movies? We picked the wrong trivia game for you today, Emmanuel. I, That's four to nothing. What is the name of the don't say anything? The blue no, glowing fun. square that I'll Loki like a man. uses I'll, as a weapon. The tesseract. There you go. Wow. Did you know Nick, it? you were a little slow on that one. Now no, it's I don't need help. I, I can't <laughs> I can't win. Look, it, it, every 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 dog has its day. Is it the go. tesseract or is it the cosmic cube? It's the tesseract. Mm-hmm. One of the uh Infinity Souls. Yeah. Have you seen Ultron yet? Yeah. Okay. We saw right. we saw it the first week. What did you think? I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It, it's hard to beat the first one, so I wasn't expecting yeah. that. So, but it, it was it was good. I, I'll say when I saw it the second time, I was there were very few people in the show that I went to when I saw it by myself. Yeah, um, the showing yesterday, go, both going with friends and then also a more engaged audience. Yeah, it was better um, because some of the. Um, some of the one-liners and things like that, experiencing them together made it. Yeah. Did you did, you did you go IMAX or did you? No, I let I, me tell. Once you go IMAX, you never don't go tell back. Me. I don't uh, see. I, we paid that. We it's probably a hundred dollars between my wife and I. It was twenty eight bucks. Oh my gosh, fourteen. But it was but it was our it was our yeah. date, and you know so we took it as a date. How many kids do you have? None. So oh, we spent all of our yeah, money exactly. on oh, us. There you, there you go. And the church. So that's how you pull off fourteen dollars a ticket. Yeah, my first. Nick one, and I had to watch on a on a tiny cell phone screen. Right. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Pirate Bay. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. kidding. Kidding. We didn't do that. So no, we were. My first time seeing it was screening to see if my ten year old could see it, and mm-hmm. then the second time we took our children. It's, it's appropriate. I don't. I didn't think there was anything. Well, there's a lot more swearing. Yeah, and I just see. I don't notice swearing, and it didn't hit. Like the only there were two that that. Registered there there was the a GD time. in there, wasn't there? I, see, I don't remember. What, I don't the, remember it. The very first curse be word, else I was. because they made a big deal about it, registered. Oh, because of Captain America, the other thing? Yeah, yeah. but see, that one to me was just in there to be silly. Anyway. Yeah, I don't. My parents didn't care about language. I watched a whole bunch of stuff. Like they didn't care about language and violence. Huh. So I, I, I don't hit, know that when I'm a parent, I'd care. About language, because they're going to go to school, unless they're homeschooled all their life. They're going to go to school. They're going to hear language. They might hear it at home. Well, the, the so, thing that Chase it's, asked it's, about, yeah. Well, the <laughs> thing Chase asked about that I wasn't, it didn't clue in for me was, um, I'll just say for people who've seen the movie, Thor's um, sequence after the Scarlet Witch messes with his head. And for me, it didn't initially flag anything, but yeah. going back and watching it with my 10 year old and his 12 year old daughter there, there's a lot more sensuality than I first. Yeah. Notice and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So here's the thing: yeah, yeah. I was so busy getting my daughter to not look at that, I must have missed it. People had described that that Thor thing to me as a, a four letter word that starts with an O that I probably shouldn't use because we have teenagers listening. But you guys know what I'm talking See, about. It's in the Bible. You can use that word. That's what that's what the scene was to imply, but. Marvel understands that their people are going to take their seven-year-olds to see this, so they're not going to go crazy. That's yeah. what the scene was. To, it, it sure didn't look like I didn't think one it, of those to me. Not that I've, but I'm a bad Christian, so I might not. It, you know, there was definitely a lot of sensuality. It was sens- in, it was sensual, but it wasn't graphic. It looked like, exactly. Think. It looked like a party, and so there were. Well, well they were all depressed. A though, pajama party. They? Well, but it, it, see, it seemed like. There was a lot of silk flying. Basically, around an that end party. of the world. Oh, that's okay, what it. I, I see. I see. I see. 
But it's a lead into Ragnarok. And so, which. Ragnarok. A lot of people think Thor doesn't make it out alive with that, so. Yeah. And Jane wields the hammer. Anyway, sorry. No, that's comic. Female Thor. That's uh, that's a topic for another day, eh? Much later. Okay. We got that kind of time. Number six, when Iron Man is struck by Thor's lightning, what happens? He, he powers up. Oh, I didn't even make you not answer that. It supercharges his armor up to 400%. 400%. That is even. Did not know the percentage. At four to four. I'm giving myself a half I'm just kidding. kidding. It's four to two. Did not know the percentage. All right. Number seven. When the Avengers are in the streets of New York, Captain America starts issuing orders. What is his order to the Smash. Hulk? Hulk smash. Oh nice. my gosh. I was actually thinking of the cop. We I was, have think, I was thinking of the cop game. too until he said Hulk. And, and Emmanuel, I will tell you, as people are watching us on Periscope, you are getting a lot of hearts. People are rooting for you. I, at least I assume that's why the hearts are coming. Let's go for the underdog, baby. All right. All right. So, I'm uh, the underdog in the game. Four to three. When all of the Avengers are bickering in the lab on the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, which Avenger is not present? Is it A, Hawkeye? Hawkeye? Who said Hawkeye? He said It is Hawkeye. I didn't even consider him an Avenger at that point. He was... What the heck? I love Hawkeye. He was a bad guy. He was dead to me until he came back around. (laughs) Okay. Number nine. When Tony Stark is threatening Loki and going through the Avengers roll call, what is he doing? Getting ready to put on the new Mark. Uh, he's putting the bracelets on so he can deploy the remote deploy the armor. Well, according to this, he's making a drink. Oh, okay. But I was going to read you the choices. That's okay. It, we'll just we'll just have that as a fault. I would have said the same thing that Nick said. Yeah, because I mean, yes, he he's is making doing the drink, that, but yes. he's, yeah. he's putting on the bracelets for the remote deployer. Final question. Hey, I'll give Tony the point if he knows which edition armor it is. It's Mark Seven, right? I don't know. I'm, oh, or is, it Mark, or is it Mark Four? It could be. You get half a point for that. All right, number ten. Final question. At the one of the final scenes of the film, Pepper and Tony are standing atop the slightly destroyed Stark Tower. Only one hey. letter is left standing, and you get it for a closer than expected five to four victory nice. for Nicholas. You have lost your first game, but you've done it yeah. in a very, very respectable manner. And now I know what well David feels like. How's how's Periscope? Periscope's doing well. Shout out to T. <laughs> Christian Lee, who has to go farewell. Uh, Nathan Martin, I believe, is watching us. Actually, a church member is watching. In fairness, it is going to be a tie because he was correct on the, the number of the armor. Oh, do you get a bonus point for that? Yeah, I told him I'd give him the point of that question uh, because you said it was called a default. And because we both had the same kind of answer, yeah. um, I wasn't sure. If, I was I was thinking over into Iron Man 3 where he was into the 40s. Um, and you were right. It was number seven. So that that game is a tie. Holy I'll take moly. I'll take that charity. You're still undefeated. Yeah. Got no, a tie. You, haven't, you haven't won every game, but you're undefeated. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. Has David ever won a game? I don't know. He has. Yeah, he's definitely won a game. I think his all-time record, though, is 2-13. and 13. Is that right, David? <laughs> I still can't talk. That laryngitis looks murderous. I love it. All right, guys. So big decision this week out of the Southern Baptist International Mission Board, uh, led by uh, David Platt, who is something of a hero of mine. At least uh, I like the dude an awful lot. It's a nice um, way of saying that. 
Uh, hey, I'm a fan. I, I love David Platt. Uh, Ten years ago, maybe this is 11 or 12 years ago, the International Mission Board, which is the largest mission-sending agency in the world, or at least it was. My facts might not be up to date on that. The International Mission Board um, voted to outlaw what they called a, quote, private prayer language. Now, at the time, this was a bit of a controversial, interesting sort of decision because the leader, the president of the International Mission Board, a man named Jerry Rankin, did in fact speak in tongues, did have a private prayer language, and that was something very well known. So a lot of observers wondered how much of a... uh, statement the trustees of the International Mission Board were making in regards to their their feelings on Mr. Rankin. Be that as it may, the David Platt-led IMB has reversed course after slightly more than a decade and is now allowing candidates who speak in tongues or candidates that have been divorced in the past in some cases or even candidates who had been baptized in churches that uh, disagreed with the, the convention's view of baptism them slightly. So there's some nuance there to that, guys, but I guess we got a ton of voicemails to play. We've heard from a lot of missionaries this week. We want to get to those and react to those, but real briefly, Emmanuel, you first and then Nick, what is your initial reaction to this major decision by the IMB? Uh, I mean, I think it's a good thing um, because you are now um, allowing more Baptist <laughs> to uh to be missionaries. Um, look, the, the IMB procedure as it is, is kind of, I've always thought it was kind of restrictive and overly, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Complicated. I mean, you got to go through like, I mean, it'd be easier to run for president than it would be <laughs> to, to become, uh, you know, an IMB missionary. Uh, you don't even have to prove you're born here. Just throw that out there for the birthers. <laughs> Why? Why did you do that? Just for just just to see the what kind of mail you guys got. Uh, <laughs> That's a manual of the gospelfriends.com. It doesn't work right now, but it will by the time the show's so, so on. I, so I, I yes. think it's a good decision. I don't. There's something about the reason behind it that kind of roasts me the wrong way. I, I don't know why. And I think the word. What was the word he used? Was uh, what did he say? He said that the they did it because of was it urgency or yes it the word was urgency is uh and i don't as a rule i don't like making decisions out of urgency uh sometimes you may have to do that but it you know so and and i look i, I agree that getting the gospel out is a big deal i i don't i'd rather them do it based on theological positions and understandings than based on urgency um if that makes sense but i think it's a good thing overall you're you're in favor yeah especially for divorced tongue-speaking people with teenagers Um, (laughs) that's that 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 about covered what do you think nick um i i the experience or exposure i'd had to it all kind of came back to the issue on on tongues and so a lot of my initial thoughts um i have i come from a, a very um charismatic uh, Pentecostal background. And um, while some of my um, theology and, and perspective on things has, has changed as I've gotten older, um, what they call their private 
prayer language or praying in tongues is, is not one of the things I've changed course on. And so to, to restrict based on that, um, I, my concern, my, I guess my thought was always, are you, are you being anti-Pentecostal or are you being pro order or something else? Um, cause well, they are anti-Pentecostal. Well, and so that's, and that would have been my holdup is because in my experience, um, with Baptist growing up when I was, I identified as a Pentecostal. There was there was tension. There was, um, if not conflict, present. Um, and so, if, if they were just doing it to be anti-Pentecostal, then that's a red flag in the first place to me. But if 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 there was some, you know, they don't want people to get out in the missions field and be a source of division or conflict for folks. I can see that, but yeah. I think there's a different way to mitigate that than uh, not approving missionaries because uh, they read and uh, exercise the whole Bible. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, one of the issues that is kind of reared its head. I'll give my opinion, and you want you want to get some of those uh, some ready. of our mission friends uh, takes ready. One of the issues is reared its That's head a new is podcast the podcast waiting to happen. The mission friends. The mission friends. There you That's go. That's going to be our first spinoff featuring Owen and Kevin and Nick and other mission. Wait, friends. are we doing two podcasts? Huh? Move Let's on. do a bunch. Let's just do ten. Spread the net wide and see what we catch. Nick Johnson, not Nick. Oh, yes, yes. Different Nick. Two different Nicks. Lots of Nicks out there. Um, all right. So th- there's some there's some disagreement about the issue of language and verbiage here in the announcement. The, the announcement by the M- IMB mainly focuses on private prayer language. That That uh, is used a lot. I'm not a huge fan of that verbiage, private prayer language. In fact, J.D. Hall has written an article that's very critical of the Southern Baptist and Shocker. David Platt on this issue because he says private prayer language, quote, is not a biblical thing. Well, he's right. It's not a biblical term. It's not a biblical term. That is correct. On the other hand, what is biblical, and, and, and a question that I often have for cessationists, is this thing, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Oh, there's Chase got to break out the Bible again. <laughs> which says... Uh, I be, started it. He just had chapter and verse. <laughs> be eager to prophesy. All right, so we're supposed... And, and, and you know, if you would like to... Uh, now, that's from, what you think or, or want to see happen in the world, right? It's not... That's just all what Chase wants to see. <laughs> no, that's what the Bible says. No, I'm saying the prophecy, though, it's, it, it has everything to do with what you want to see happen, not being led of the Spirit, because he's gone. Oh, cool. The Spirit's not gone. The Spirit's just, not gone. He's just I'm sitting being, on the couch doing nothing. He's not even that. <laughs> waiting, for some, waiting for one of the elect to hear the gospel. Oh, that's another shot towards Reformed people, of which it's I not a shot. One. And I, not actually be- <laughs> I, I believe in election, by the way. Okay, I do too. Oh, uh, my goodness. So, Traitor. Like, we I, have a c- I also believe in, in non-election as well, so you're good. <laughs> I believe by... You're kind of the middle. Finch rider. I believe in the tulip and the articles of the remonstrance. Wow, uh, that's that's hardcore right there. Yeah, we're gonna get some emails on that. All right, I have I'm my reading confident. set for me. All right. Um, so so first Corinthians fourteen thirty nine. My brothers, be eager to prophesy. And by the way, you can tell me that prophecy in the New Testament is equal to preaching, and I will just tell you go read your Bible because it's not. It is not at all. It is a totally different sort of thing. We're supposed to be eager to prophesy, and we cannot. We are not to forbid speaking in tongues. And I think the IMB policy was a direct violation of First Corinthians fourteen thirty nine, which if us Baptists are supposed to be inerrantists, and we are, 
then I don't think we can contradict Scripture just because we think other people are going too far with it. Don't go too far with tongues, but don't forbid it either. That's my take. Fair point. Let's that's, get some missionaries. That's text. just stuff that God was doing to get the church started. And once the church got up and running, then, you know. Look, I, I that's, respect that's, that's missionists. That's what, that's I, what, I that's what I've heard. Agree with them. I, I don't think you can make a good – everybody, so always says, everybody always says – everybody always – I realize I'm talking over our – about to talk over our, our, our missionary point. But everybody always says that people make an argument for tongues, et cetera, out of their own personal experience. And I'm here to tell you, I, I have never done that, never will do that. It is a biblical argument. Five times Paul says positive, good, edifying things about the gift of tongues, he says you can't forbid it. That is not an experience. That is not me saying I believe in tongues because it's happened to me. That is me saying I believe the Bible says don't forbid it and that you cannot show scripturally without doing some pretty remarkable gymnastics. You can't show scripturally that those gifts have ceased. And if you do, if you think you can, and look, again, I love cessationists, love Dan Great guy in the hall who's a cessationist. Other guys love them, love them, and would in a second work with them on a gospel thing. Amen. I, that would not disunify us. We have cessationists at the Hall of Dogma Church. Um, we do. We do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that said, cessationist theology directly contradicts Scripture. But again, first I'll go back to First Corinthians, and that's going to give a lot of people heartburn. First, Somewhere John MacArthur is is scowling at you, scowling and gnashing his teeth. But how can we be eager to prophesy if it ceased? Right, look. And, and look, that just bottom line, that is a. That is a command in Scripture that you're telling me by flipping some switches here and there and interpreting this and that. That is a command in Scripture you're telling me we need to ignore. I would say to you, hey, we can't ignore commands in Scripture, bottom line. Yeah, I mean, um, real quick before we go over to Kevin Sanders, David, um, thoughts here, bud? Good. Uh, David is nodding his head. Okay. Good. All right. Um, wow. David agrees with someone and just – Stay silent. It's awesome. All right. First voicemail is from um, Kevin Sanders. Uh, we are blessed that all three of these guys' um, mission is their is their work, and so um, we'll hear from them. Kevin Sanders is going to be our first voicemail up now. Hey guys, my name is Kevin Sanders, and I spent eleven years as a missionary in the Philippines. I was in Manila doing student work for about nine years, and then uh, my final two years I was doing church planting in Angeles City. And my first three years in the Philippines was through the Ministry of the International Mission Board. I was what's called an International Service Corps worker, and that is a two- to three-year assignment. So I think I understand fairly well the IMB's uh, rigorous appointment process and other things like that. And I want to start off by clarifying something. Some of the websites out there may give you the idea that the IMB or the SBC is moving in more of a charismatic direction or wanting to move in that direction. And that is simply not true. The International Mission Board, as far as I can tell, has always been concerned about uh, the excesses of the charismatic movement and never wanting to go in that direction. So that's not really what this is about. This is about the a rule that uh, came into being a few years ago 
as to whether or not someone should be immediately disqualified as an IMB appointee if he or she has experienced or practices some form of speaking in tongues in their personal devotional life. Uh, the language you'll see in some of the uh, some of the articles is a private prayer language. Now, if memory serves me correctly, and I was appointed before this new rule came into place, but if memory serves me correctly, even before they ever thought up this strange rule, there was a question in the application about whether or not you had experienced speaking in tongues. And I'm, I marked no because I've never experienced that, but I'm sure if someone had marked yes, then there would be some follow-up questions just to make sure that that candidate would not emphasize that gift or say that that gift is normative for all believers. In other words, there were already some measures in place, I believe, to make sure that someone who's experienced speaking in tongues was was still solid in their overall theology and doctrine. Uh, but what happened is a few years ago, a new rule was in, implemented that basically said, if you practice tongues even in your private devotional life, you're automatically disqualified as a candidate. And I thought that was kind of a, a bizarre rule because it was correcting a problem that did not even exist in the first place. I'm not aware of a widespread problem we had of charismatic excesses happening in the ministry or in the churches created by the IMB. So this rule or policy struck me as uh, rather arbitrary. So uh, I think when it comes to issues of doctrine, that are one not central, not central to the gospel, and not even central to the Baptist faith and message. You know, I think we have to be cautious and humble about secondary issues that we may disagree on that do not directly affect the gospel ministry. So, in short, I'm glad that they reversed this this policy. I don't think it was necessary in the first place, and I don't see any need to obsess, again, over issues that are not central to the gospel. Hey, look, Kevin did a great job with, with his commentary there. That's a, that's a guy that's been on the field for years as a missionary with the IMB. Uh, two takeaways I got from that. One is he said that when the rule was enacted, there was not really a problem uh, with excesses of of tongue speaking in, in the Southern Baptist Church, which you know kind of lends credence a little bit to the theory that part of the reason this this rule was enacted was to kind of uh, as an in your face to Jerry Rankin, uh, which I, look that that's an uncharitable interpretation. I totally hope that's not correct, and it may not be. It's just a little odd. Um, the other thing he said was that the the IMB is not embracing charismatic practices, and I, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. uh, there is something to being a Baptist. Being a Baptist is not the same as being an assembly of God or what have you. Personally, I have theology that is continuationist. I wouldn't quite label it charismatic, but uh, I'm fine with that. And But I, I tell you, when I read this news, I was so relieved because I felt like it was the Baptist church forbidding something 
something that the Bible says don't forbid. And I think Platt, even though Platt is largely a cessationist, uh, you know, somewhere along that spectrum, just like Tim Keller, Tim Keller both these guys are heroes uh, of mine theologically. Both are soft cessationists. They would describe themselves, e- even though I'm not a soft cessationist. I'm a, I'm a uh, full-on continuationist like John Piper. Um, I think Platt has shown a lot of wisdom here. This is not an issue of compromise. And I, I challenge, again, there's people like J.D. Hall and people like that that have said that this is an issue of compromise. This is an in- issue of cleaving closer to the Bible, in my viewpoint. It is not embracing tongues. It is not embracing full-on Pentecostal theology. It's just saying we're not going to rule somebody out in that situation. And bottom line, if you do rule somebody out that has a, a that speaks in tongues, you're doing something that's unbiblical. You can't give a biblical warrant for that. That's my first take. What do you guys think? I guess for me, I, I was wondering when you mentioned um, the dialogue of, of it being normative. Um, I, I think back, it's funny when we brought up Tristan, he and I kind of just um, get into some healthy discussions because um, where I find myself with my reformed brethren, you know, taking one perspective in, in the discussions, I find myself on a much different plane when I discuss things with Tristan. And um, he, he emphasizes the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit at salvation very heavily, um, you know, for, for him um, and, and, you know, I don't want to say his denomination per se, but for his point of view, um, salvation, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Spirit are requirements. Um, and so it, it's, it, it, it is just kind of um, foreign to me that someone would not consider the evidence of the, whole, the Holy Spirit at work in someone's life normative for a believer. Um, so that language was, was interesting to me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of with Chase. I, I'm obviously glad um, that they're opening it up for more people to be able to be missionaries, I guess. Yeah, and 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 they use the word excesses, and I don't like that word. <laughs> um, it may be accurate. I, it, I'll say this. It is accurate from their viewpoint. But because, when you've got people, you, because, you have people that are going to well, take it too far. Well, do we know what too far means? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's a, a, a biblical – I mean – there are biblical examples of what too far is. Jacob could tell us and, in the hall. And Sorry, I, Jacob, I couldn't help. It. I'm the one with the microphone. And I don't know that, that that that's what they're appealing to. But I do think, and here's with all, oh, I shouldn't say all, with many Reformed people, they are afraid of experience as, as part of Christian identity because experience can't always be uh, codified or or – I don't say backed up by the Bible, but you know what I'm saying? They're afraid of experience, and so they just kind of stick with the head knowledge a lot, where charismatics mm, okay. tend to err on the other side. Where, you know, and I grew Very up, analytical. And I went, look, I, I, I went to a Pentecostal church for 16 years, and there were people, not all of them, but there were people who chased experience uh, to the detriment of doctrine. Oh, look, and there so, were people at church that I felt like, you know, they – and I'm going. To, I'm going to take a step back from the tone I was about to take, but um, they were they were radically saved from various um, addictions. Yeah, and they had gotten 
it, it seemed that they had gotten just as addicted to a high emotional high on Sunday oh, morning yeah. as they had been to a substance. Oh, yeah. That's, I'll say it that way. Yeah. And, and, and I've known people who they, they kind of, they chase the high, you yes. know, uh, and so, and I think that's where the policy came into place in the first place was they're like, we're afraid of attracting a whole lot of these people um, and turning this into who, who need to be able to work with, with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just a way to, you know, to still open it up to those people. But, but for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> keep a lid on crazy. <laughs> um, All right. Another title option. Keep a lid on crazy. Because you know Pentecostals can get weird. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind saying uh, that. Look, I, um, I look. I, I went. Um, we we had another uh, healthy debate the other day where um, I'm I'm saying that you'd said crazy. I'm not calling it this crazy, but there had been that idea of um, how much authority men have. Versus how much authority the, the Bible have, and just where that where that comes down, and um, in your church, um, you know where the Bible is silent on an issue, um, how much authority does a pastor or leaders have to um, kind of give their audience directive, and if they give them a directive, is it is it sinful for them to violate? Um, if I tell my kids don't do this or go do this, and they say thumb their nose at me and say, you know, heck you say, Dad, yeah. that's sinful. Um, we as as sheep in a flock, if the shepherd of that flock gives us a directive, is violating that sinful. And, of, and for my mind, um, Jesus is the shepherd, and we're all sheep in in the flock. Um, so I, I don't know, but it was it was an interesting perspective. But I, I definitely understand that idea of of wanting to kind of level the playing field. I don't know. Well, I think it's like I said, it, it's trying to make sure there remains unity. I've, I've worked in ministries where there's a lot of different uh, denominations and, and doctrinal beliefs present, and I've had to talk to you know some people, usually Pentecostals. Um, like, look, just because you're comfortable with stuff doesn't mean that everybody is going to be comfortable with the stuff you're comfortable with. And you can't and so, consider them wrong until they and, are. And they're just like, well, I, you know, I just this is the way that I work. Like, look, but when you're in a group, it can't be about you. Yeah. You know, or it's kind of like having somebody visit your church from another church. And that person comes from a different church culture and they're just different and mm-hmm. they're not. I don't want to say fitting in, but they do things that your church doesn't do, and they don't look around and see, like, you are the only person who is doing this. <laughs> you know, this is not normative here, mm-hmm. so we need you to, like, you know, to, you know, uh, fit in. We need you to go ahead and conform right now for, you know, when in Rome, do it, you know. <laughs> and so... So I understand why the policy was in place, and I understand, like I said, it's still in place in a sense where they're still going <laughs> to, like, like if you check that box, you're going to get, you know, you're going we'll to get, you're going to get vetted. But see, yeah. that, I don't mind that because I, I don't mind accountability. I don't mind. Yeah. Anyway, so. But which I, I understand they're trying to keep their Baptist distinctives. And so I think that's like. There's part of me that's like, I understand that. And it's part of me is like, well, if you people hold on to the denominational stuff mm-hmm. a lot. And so it's like, 
you know, you you could just go to a Pentecostal mission agency or a I've or a or a well. Owen Owen made that point or a non denominational, which is a pretty good point, or non denominational missions agency like the. So the IMB doesn't owe you anything. I, I, I do think it owes the Bible something, but it doesn't owe you anything. They're trying to maintain their Baptist distinctives, um, and so you can't fault them for it yeah. um, in a sense. Let me, let me ask a provocative question to slightly sidetrack us for a minute. Do you do think? <laughs> do you think we are moving towards an age where denominations are becoming less and less important? Go ahead. You're yeah, I, mean, I mean, I read an article today, and they were talking about you know the the rise of the non denominational. You know, people are is continuing. Um, I think it was. Uh, might have been on Christianity Today. It might have been a oh, what's the guy from from Lifeway? Tom Rainer. Yeah. And so I think that we're already seeing that in America. And I think the reason is that for first of all, technology. Hmm. So before you lived in a small town, you had one preacher, you know. In your town, and everybody believed, you know, pretty much along the lines of that preacher or whatever. And so you were Presbyterian, you went to the Presbyterian church, and you believed the same thing. Mm -hmm. You never really did listen to many Baptist preachers. Mm -hmm. But the more, uh, the more that, you know, technology, vehicles, Mm -hmm. uh, internet, telephone, whatever, radio comes out there, you get to listen to a whole bunch of stuff. And I think there are more people who are, you know, theological mutts now um, than there used to be. And so, and so still, some, still, some people might want to be Baptist, but I doubt that their belief system is still a hundred percent consistent with the Baptist faith and message. Um, so I, you know, so I don't think that you know. I think denominations have probably uh, continue to dwindle, and I'm not anti-denomination either. I just think it's just, you know. Yeah, I have I have a concern when it comes to denominations starting to disappear that I'll I'll throw out in a second. Um, you you said theological mud. See, the the thing with me based on based on what you're saying is it it's the opposite of theological mud. It, it's that you're no longer tied to not even the denomination's thoughts. It's their dogma, and now people are. Because you're able to, you know, I'm thinking of podcasts, and I'm thinking I I listen to some drastically different denominations guys yeah. because mm-hmm. I like the perspective some of which just to to kind of keep my ear to the ground of what's going on but because when you get so far out into a, a denomination's dogma you miss part of the word um you know again I, I yeah. grew up assemblies of god and you know the church of god was so similar in a lot of the the basics the bases of uh, there there was a lot of similarities between the two sorry I kind of lost a train of thought there but as you got into the specifics, you saw why if they had been together at one point, they split. And it was not over clearly defined in the Bible things. It was over personal opinions about a chapter. And, and it's things you didn't have to split over if you didn't want to. And so I actually – I like the denomination, the theological mudism as you're calling it. But I, I'm also afraid you know, being a little bit of a um, – going back to my, my youth and, and – some of the emphasis that was placed on Revelation, and um, I'm also afraid it's one of those things that could lead into kind of that complete ecumenical whatever that you yeah. know you've got to be set apart too because you can't just let everything exist yeah. either. And so that's 
the denominations going away is what I'm afraid will lead into that too. So it's it's a pro con for me. Yeah, and and you know I'm not a big you know ecumenical guy. Um, my my at seminary, my dean was that was his thing, and still is his thing. I I don't get it. Which dean? Uh, uh George. Okay. Timothy George. Yeah, you and big, I went to similar seminary for a while. Yeah, same um, seminary for a while. But I just think so. Let's let's say that uh, somebody is eighteen and they become a Christian at eighteen. Um, um, they are elected by God before the foundation of the world to believe Amen. Preach. And, and they hear the gospel or they choose uh, by the prevenient grace of God to follow <laughs> oh Christ. Whoa, 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 you lost me a little bit no, there. The what? <laughs> so, Amen, brother. But, and let's say they like beer and they've been going to a Baptist church and they find out, well, Baptists don't drink uh, or not oh, supposed to. Some Baptists do. Some Baptists do, but then a lot of them don't. Spurgeon. And then they read the Bible and realize that that's not in the Bible. What's good? <laughs> then they have to choose, like, do I want to be a Baptist just because it's where I go, or do I want to go have a beer? Like, I'm, I'm going to go to the Anglican church and have my beer. It's just, you know. Oh, that's, you know. I don't know if I'd go Anglican. I like Anglican. There's, yeah. there's not all dioceses are liberal. There's, there's, uh, there's conservative. <laughs> I know a lot of conservative Anglicans, by the way. Okay, now I do too. I'm, I'm, I'm and I know some conservative bit. Episcopalians as well. So, but are you going to? You know, See, that's I was, the thing. Once they finally excommunicate me, I'm going Episcopal. Right there. You know. Really? Yeah. Gracious. Well, look, it's a quick service. It's a lot quicker than the HOD church. Yeah, that's not difficult. Well, a lot of things are <laughs> yeah, a lot quicker than the HOD church. They probably startled time as well. Yeah. Um, no, a friend of mine's. Um, Mom goes there, and at their church uh, outings, they have a, a wine table, a, a margarita table, and a beer table. I am down with this. Like, yeah. And so, right, pothead. And so, a guy, a couple. That's of, not going away for a while, is it? No. I think it was two months ago. A guy approached me, and he's trying to start a church in Birmingham. He's trying to start a Presbyterian church, and he's like, "Hey, you know, you know, hey, you know, what's, what's your background?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm, you know." I, I lean heavily reformed. He's like, really? Because I'm, I'm, we're trying to plant a church in, you know, in the inner city, and we're looking for a, a young black reformed guy, and it's hard to find. I was like, well, I don't know that I'm reformed enough to be Presbyterian, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know that you are either. Yeah, that's so, okay. So if, so if, so if I wanted to work at a church. I would probably have to work for the most part at a non-denominational church because because of how my theology is. Even though I'm probably you know eighty percent reformed, the twenty percent of you know Pentecostal and Armenian in me, I guess I don't know, uh, would probably disqualify me qualify me from from a lot of churches. Um, so it, it's come to that point where if people disagree with one point, either they just and sometimes you just find a church you like. Like I don't consider myself a Church of God guy. I went to a Church of God, but it was it was different than all the other churches of God I've ever seen. So it wasn't like a, exemplary of what they did. But well, people are just going to just got different teachers. I yeah. mean, I listen to R.C. Sproul. I listen to John Piper. I listen to Creflo. I listen to. <laughs> did, I just, did you help I, the plane? I just threw I just threw that in for for, for terrible chases. stomach cramp and something trying to. Keep I, I listen to the I listen to the the hall of the hall of dogma church podcast. I listen to which you which you've been a I read. I, yeah. You know, I went to an interdenominational seminary. Like my theology is probably never going to conform to one uh, particular denomination. Yeah, 
Uh, so it, it's you know I like Baptists, but I like to drink. I like Presbyterian stuff, but I'm not baptizing babies. I like you know. It, mm. You know Good what I'm saying? You. I, I've got to go non-denominational. Look, we're going to make Jacob run screaming. We're going to make hall. everybody upset. And so, you know, and so it's it's people are not as dogmatic as they used to be. I think that's probably overall. And technology makes, I think it's make people easier to hear differing opinions. Yeah. It's not good if it goes into the mushiness of ecumenism. But getting back to the the topic at hand, one of the benefits of broadcasting from the Hall of Dogma Church is that from time to time there are people and meetings and things going on here (laughs) so that instead of having people come in via voicemail, you can actually walk out into the sanctuary and say, hey, what's your take on this, and grab somebody and bring him in. So I'm about to give up my seat for a man who was a 95% cessationist as of a year ago who uh, has uh, a pretty strong opinion on the IMB decision. and so If it's the guy I'm, I'm looking at that, that you're about to seat up to, the right I've never known him to have a real strong opinion on yeah, anything. I was He's always seen real. You might not be paying attention then because uh, oh, okay. this is Josh Strong Opinion Dean coming in <laughs> to fill my chair and fill my boots. So, he's Josh, the, here's my headphones. Go for it, man. The, the Dean of Strong Opinions. Hey, that's awesome. Peace, Chase. Chase is walking out the door. All right, Josh, it's you. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to pick up where you guys left off. Uh, give the, us a quick, quick introduction of what you. People know who I am. I'm Jody, Jody Hodido from another episode. I filled in for you one day. <laughs> yeah, when you were he, out of here. he's the permaculture well, guy. People really, yeah, he's been on here. People really liked it. I just wanted to make sure. Oh yeah, you were here. Yeah, I was not. He is a permaculture legend. I don't know if I'm a legend. I'm a permaculture newbie. Um, so I, I, I'm. I heard you guys talking about denominational stuff. One of my favorite quotes about denominations is from J.C. Ryle. He said, we should keep denominational hedges as low as possible and shake hands over them as often as possible. And I, I feel like there are some denominations, and I think Reformed Baptists are one of the worst. They, they seem to want to fertilize denominational hedges and just really separate themselves from everybody else. Maybe maybe build a platform for them to be planted in and then – yeah, they do like a concrete plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they fertilize the heck out of uh, their denominational hedges. So so that kind of – I I read that a quote a long time ago and it stuck with me and I, I tried to adopt it more in my own personal beliefs and interactions with other people. So that's that's where I'm coming from. But yeah, I was, a, I, I, I was steeped in Reformed Baptist doctrine for the past – I don't know. I'd say nine of the past eight years, and every church I was a part of was a cessationist church. Uh, and so my response to this, I posted in the Hall of Dogma, but my response is what's more important than dogma concerning private use of speaking tongues is faith expressing itself through love. And um, what's more important than making sure the IMB does not send out charismatics is making sure they do send out workers into the harvest. I think that's Platt's heart here is look like there's an urgency to share the gospel. So mm-hmm. whether or not you speak in tongues privately, first of all, what what difference does that make to you or anybody? If mm-hmm. I'm if I, in my prayer closet, I'm speaking tongues. So yeah, I don't. I, I just man, people who would get upset about this, it just man, it confuses me. I just man, it, 
what I what I said in the Hall of Dogma, I think it comes mostly from doctrinal arrogance and spiritual pride. This is why I like Josh. This is why I like having him around. I don't always hey, agree. This, with this is coming from a guy who a year ago was a sensationist. Yeah. I mean, but then when I had it, I had it, instead of listening to the straw man arguments, I actually talked with some some people who I know loved Jesus and were doctrinally sound, mm-hmm. but who were also charismatic concerning gifts. And like when they explained it to me, their perspective firsthand. I said, well, I know a lot of cessationists who experience those things and even do those things, but they, they wouldn't call that spiritual gifts. Interesting. And if we're just talking about semantics, like, well, that's dumb. Yeah, some of it has been semantic. Um, one of the voicemails that we did play, um, I think some of the concern was um, – <laughs> Emmanuel put it as keeping the lid on crazy um, with charismatics it, it being some of the reason for having kind of – had a blanket no in the past. Um, Kevin Sanders in the, the voicemail um, that you'll hear on the, the show um, basically said um, that even if you said yes on the survey now, there would be some questions just to make sure you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna put the gifts above the gospel. Which I, don't, I have no problem with. Which that. I don't like that. I, I, Do you not? Because you're not gonna you're not gonna pull anybody else in. So you just assume that because somebody speaks in tongues that they're just. I don't know, going to wreak havoc in your mission field. Hmm. I, I don't like that. I understand why they do it and they have the right to do it, but I, I don't like the the thought process behind it. Makes sense. You know, just red flag all the tongues, people. I look. Um, Obviously, it wouldn't work for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to play Nick Johnson's uh, voicemail. This is about a, a three-minute voicemail. Um, we've probably said most of, of what we can say. Um, we may have some quick comments on Nick Johnson's voicemail, and then we'll get to Owen Pons. But here is um, the other Nick for this episode. Hey there, Gospel friends. This is Nick Johnson calling from Ciudad Guzman, Mexico, uh, to share my thoughts about the new IMB changes on their uh, regulations for sending missionaries. Um, First of all, just a very short background. I am a lifelong Southern Baptist, was saved in a Southern Baptist church, served for over 10 years in uh, Southern Baptist churches in Wyoming as a youth pastor and worship leader, both as a volunteer and as uh, full-time staff. And we even applied to be uh, International Mission Board missionaries before the Lord led us to be self-support missionaries through an agency out of Mississippi. And so I am Southern Baptist through and through, even though we are not currently serving as Southern Baptists. That being said, I am a big uh, proponent of these changes that IMB has decided to make um, for a couple reasons. First of all, I think it's going to allow more potential missionaries to be seen which is incredibly important. Contrary to what some people are saying, this, these decisions do not mean that there's going to be more divorcee, charismatic, pedo-baptists with teenage children on the mission field with the IMB. What it does mean is it's going to give the IMB more leeway and more nuance to consider biblically the people who are applying to be missionaries. This means that if somebody was divorced before they were saved, that it's not going to automatically disqualify them. This means if a couple with teenage children wants to serve for a year as support staff missionaries in a European city, they can. And I think that's a good thing. When we have more godly believers who are able to serve on the mission field, I think that's an incredibly good thing. And second of all, I think it's a good thing because this just brings um, the IMB's qualifications in line with what the Southern Baptist churches are already affirming through the Baptist faith and message. What we've had before was a situation where the IMB was more restrictive than their own churches were, and this is going to bring the IMB back in line with their own churches. 
And I think that's important because, biblically speaking, the church is the sending agency. It's the church that sends out missionaries, and so our agency needs to reflect uh, our churches. So if this means that a godly, qualified IMB missionary is going to be more in line with what we already affirm to be the marks of a godly, qualified church member in the SBC, then I'm all for it. So that's my two cents. Thanks, David, Chase, and especially Nick, because you have an awesome name and you should speak more often. You guys are an encouragement to me, and I uh, love you all. God bless everyone. Bye. Nick's for the win. All right, sorry. Love it when Nick's other Nick's call. Um, I liked, I'll, you know, I liked his term uh, nuance um, there. I, I, can, I can appreciate that. Um, anybody got anything else to? Add? We didn't really touch on the. Uh Divorce part of this, this See, change. That's me. I, I've only heard people talking about the the tongues, but I actually think that's a bigger one for the Baptist to really. Okay. Um, and I, I'd say it depends on the Baptist. I mean, one of the hardcore Reformed Baptist churches I came from was was pastored by a single elder who had been divorced. Hmm. Would would he have single, been booted? single as in numerical? He was he was remarried. I've got a friend of mine who is he is not. Uh, a Southern Baptist, but he is Baptist, and he's been looking for pastorate jobs forever. And he thinks he's getting turned down for a lot of them because he's divorced. Um, divorced it, or divorced and remarried? Just for clear. he's divorced and remarried. Remar- okay. Um, his his wife, and, he, and it, the divorce was not his fault. Um, it was not his intention. He did not want it, but he couldn't keep you know convince her to stay. And so in that situation, like he's, I'm not going to say he's disqualified from Baptist ministry forever because maybe there's right. a church that, that believes he can still do it. Um, and, and like I said, I don't know every Baptist church, obviously, but um, the ones that I've, the Baptists I've been around, like being divorced is pretty much the worst thing that you could, that, that can happen to you as a, if you're in ministry. Um, so I, I thought that was a big deal. Uh, for them to to kind of uh, lift that ban. That's fascinating. No, um, we, the, the the divorce thing is is something that um, I, I didn't realize was it, it, it um, up for debate or a contention. Um, but I remember whenever I was a child, well, basically a child, I just became a teenager. Um, the church I was ten, attending, um, a pastor on staff had been divorced. And uh, he got engaged on a Saturday night, and uh, that next Sunday morning, he said goodbye to the congregation. Um, and that that has always kind of sat interesting to me. Um, and so it's it's something I still am not um, resolved for ministers how that works out because you know the the, the verbiage um, husband of one wife in in the qualifications is very compelling to me. Um, so I, it's, I just think that means one wife at a time. But. Well, and, and and a lot of people. Um, a lot of people agree with agree with that. Um, it's actually David's fault, and if he wants to speak up here, I'll, I'll let him. But um, it was a sermon that he preached here that actually made me go kind of pretty conservative on the pendulum for, yeah. for marriage, divorce, and remarriage. He is for, really big on the biblical divorce stuff. Yeah, yeah and so it's tough for me. Um, there's, my thing is, are you in a state of perpetual unfitness for ministry if you get a divorce? That's that's the thing. That's that's the key. One of the, one of the most well, divorce, but remarriage is the question for me. Yeah, well, but I, I, but still, like, it, it, is Jesus <laughs> is his sacrifice on the cross not enough to save you from uh, to to cleanse you from from being remarried? Uh, 
which is what if, I should if, do. If you've got a biblical divorce, with. or you in a state of perpetual yeah. sin, right? That's that's what I struggle with. I'm and I lie. just, I just don't. Th- you know, I'm also the Armenian, so I'm. I think you have to keep. You're not the Armenian. You have to keep apologizing you, for stuff. You pretend to be an. Armenian. I pretend to be. An you just Armenian. play one on the podcast. He's play one a, on the podcast. An um, no. So the most conservative view, you know, mainline views on marriage is held by Piper and Fody Bacham, that hardcore like you know one spouse for life kind of view. The covenant view of marriage, right? Yeah, my, my, which I think is it's pretty extreme. My, it, I think it's and I think it's reads more than the Bible does to, as far as marriage being a covenant. It's so, like there's one verse. So my my, my best friend in the world holds that view pretty pretty solidly, and he he was conflicted for a long time because he didn't know if you know godly believers who were divorced and remarried, he didn't know if they were. Like in a perpetual state of sin, and he just he he ended up concluding that it's the act of getting married that was the sin, and lots of people have to repent for the reason they they get married or huh, for getting married, but that it's not a it's not an ongoing state of sin because it's still marriage, hmm. and you know once once somebody says I do, he'll support them even though even if he won't go to their wedding because he considers their wedding well, sin. It, the instant yeah. they say I do, he's he's there to love them and support them and encourage them in their marriage. So Crap, this, that doesn't this, help the question I need answered. I remember when, uh, yeah, when, <laughs> when Charles Stanley got divorced, his wife divorced him. Um, the only way that he could, and there were people who wanted him to step down because of that. They allowed him to keep a, his job as long as he didn't get remarried. And so he didn't get mm-hmm. remarried. And people still didn't like that either. Um, he's a Southern Baptist. Um, I know the verse I'm thinking of in Corinthians talks about believing spouses and unbelieving spouses. And yeah. if, if the unbelieving spouse basically says, I don't, I don't want to part of this, let him go. You're no longer enslaved. And so at the nuance there would be if, if Charles Stanley's wife professes faith that I don't know how to reconcile that verse to it. But, yeah, I, I, got a, yeah. I got a good friend who his wife left him unexpectedly, and he felt conflicted and wouldn't sign divorce papers until she basically apostatized and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a believer. Wow. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, if, that, if that's the case, and wow. signed, if you, you really, the paper, if you really want to help me out, I need you to deny Christ. <laughs> no, he, he wasn't. He didn't try and get that out of her. But as yeah. he was trying to, to talk with her and, and work through it biblically, it, yeah. she, it, it kind of came to the surface. Well, I'm not. I'm, I've been faking this whole time. And then he was kind of like, oh, well, I mean, I'm, <laughs> we're done. I'm free to leave. Then. Yeah. Let, let me yeah. Sign yeah. Interesting. Papers. That's fascinating. All right. Well, we've got um, – that was a good discussion. Like I said, you know, all of my um, – everything I've seen, even the headlines have been all all, all about the tongues uh, issue. Yeah. So, Good uh, job, Baptist. There you go. Wow. All right. Well, so I think, that, that, I think that's worthy of celebration, what they, what they did. Right. I got you. Um, over, you know, you know I, I think it's a big deal. Um, like I said, there's, there's tongue-speaking divorced people with teenagers who are <laughs> – who are able to go do what God has called them to yeah, do. And there is a need. So, All right, one more voicemail from Owen. This is about a, a four and a half minutes, so um, listen to Owen here. And he's got some good uh, good thoughts. Four and a half minutes, huh? That'll be nice. Hi, my name is Owen Pond. My wife and I are missionaries oh in Bulgaria. Until a few months ago, we were actually serving in Russia, but we have had to relocate this year because new visa laws don't allow us to live full-time in the country. Unfortunately, Russia is cracking down on Protestant missionaries, And if you're interested, you can read some of our missions updates and stories about our time in Russia and Bulgaria at MyDailyTestimony.com. 
So we're not with the IMB, but I did see the post in the Hall of Dogma about the change in IMB regulations and thought I might share uh, our perspective on that process. Before we moved overseas, actually, we were considering helping a church plant in Boston that was to reach the Russian-speaking population, and it was through NAMB, uh, the North American Mission Board, which is the stateside version of the IMB uh, of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I remember going through the application process and the question about, do you speak in tongues or, or your partner? Uh, well, spouse, I'm sure it said. And uh, do you have a private prayer language? Uh, but we eventually decided not to go with the IMB when we decided that we wanted to go overseas instead of to Boston. And we're now with a non-denominational missions organization uh, just because we couldn't, we couldn't go to Russia in the way that we wanted to with the IMB. Now, the interesting thing about that is that I was actually baptized in a Southern Baptist church. And tongues is getting a lot of the press, but I had no idea that you had to have been baptized in a church that believed in eternal security, which would have disqualified me, even though I was a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, because my church did not believe in eternal security. And I believe there's a fair number of Southern Baptist churches that, that don't. And so that was actually surprising. I suppose that that may have come up if I had gone through the IMB. I have no idea. But as per tongues and private prayer language, which kind of is tongues, the mission field, particularly in places uh, like Bulgaria and Russia where I've served, is a tends to be a rather ecumenical place. And the reason is simply that there's not a lot of Protestants. And so we tend to work together cross-denominationally more than we would in the United States. When you're looking at a country like Bulgaria that has less than uh, half, literally less than one half of one percent of the population of, of ethnic Bulgarians is Protestant. The number's a little higher with gypsies, but if you look at the ethnic Bulgarians, there, there's, there's virtually no Protestants. And so, and there's not a lot of Protestant missionaries either. And so you do... You, you work with people that you wouldn't necessarily work with in America, and it's completely normal. And so here, for example, Baptists working with Pentecostals is a relatively common thing. Now, that doesn't entirely address the problem. And the problem for the IMB, really for the Southern Baptist Convention, is how much doctrinal diversity do you allow within your own ranks? Because even before this change of regulations, Southern Baptist missionaries could work with Pentecostals. And so the, the barrier was not uh, particularly strict at all. You could engage in mutual ministry. Now, you may not be able to plant a church, with uh, Pentecostals, but you could do joint events, evangelism, um, concerts, things like that. And so really the question here isn't so much for the mission field because we're already working cross-denominationally on the mission field. It's more a question of what is the identity of the Southern Baptist Convention going to be? What does it mean to be a Southern Baptist? And when you look at the history of tongues, really that is that is kind of the, the mark that split the, the Baptists and the Pentecostals. In fact, um, internationally, if you look at in Russia, for example, Russian Baptists and Russian Protestants, they are exactly the same. If you were at one service, you could not tell if it were Protestant or Pente uh, I'm sorry, Baptist or Pentecostal unless they prayed. Everything else is the same: the message, the music, the dress. And so it seems to me that this is more a question of identity and how strongly is the Southern Baptist Convention going to hold on to that identity um, than it is about the mission 
field. So that's just my perspective from out here. All right. Thoughts? Josh first. Hmm. I don't know. I just I don't I don't know if that's Platt's concern is loosening the identity of who the Baptists are. I th- I think I I think it is an urgency of getting people yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what he said. It was urgency. I mean, I wish that in here in the states that we did more of what he's saying they do in Bulgaria mm-hmm. is I mean I, that's what I think that's the heart of that quote by Ryle is shake mm-hmm. hands over them over denominational hedges right. as often as possible. I'd like to see more cross denominational mission effort in our in 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 the Hall Dogma community. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Like, Absolutely. Look, totally. And so I mean I, I know guys especially from the founders conference the who are really concerned about Baptist identity and I don't I don't think Platt's trying to step on their toes by doing this. I think he's just very missions minded. Hmm. He wrote radical. Yeah, look, he, he is really fired up. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, Brook Hills to to send missionaries to adopt children and I think that's what he's trying to just broaden the IMB's outreach. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and, I, and I do and I don't yeah, I don't think that Platt did it for uh, denominational to, to, reasons. To gray the lines. Yeah, but I, but I do. I mean, I do think denominational distinctives are important. Um, so I'm not against them because uh, you, you need something to tell you who's who. I guess um, I'll say you need it, but it's helpful to know what what a church believes that, or they may believe based on you know. Well, it's a Baptist church, so they probably believe some of these things. And it's kind of tough for Baptists just because there's so many different varieties. But, I mean, mm-hmm. if I walk into a free will Baptist church, you know, I, I could probably tell what they believe if I go to a primitive Baptist church or a Southern Baptist church. So distinctions are good, I guess is my point. I, I agree distinctions. I, I don't think distinctions are of the devil. Yeah. I, I think. But they can I be think, unhelpful. I think division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is for the devil, hey, and, I, yeah. and when okay. we when yeah. we don't do anything, when we have no association, and we pride ourselves on distinguishing ourselves like and yeah, and staying yeah. apart from another group, mm. I don't think that's in the spirit of Christ or the Great Commission. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the identity of the I excuse me the idea of identity in and of itself is not a bad thing. This is what we believe in. Why and and being, especially if you're spending Baptist money. <laughs> But but no, knowing why you believe what you believe and being able to back that up in, in the Bible is yeah. fine. But when it when it's an issue of we can't work with you to further the mm-hmm. gospel, yeah, that's because true. of this nuance over here, that's what would get right. So so I don't think every church in Birmingham should just change their church sign to Church of Birmingham. Yeah, but I do think that all the churches in Birmingham should be doing more. All the gospel believing, Bible believing churches in Birmingham should be doing more. To reach our community and in pooling resources and working together to do yeah, that. Yeah, I've always Amen. said, you know, Birmingham at one point held the the you know the record for churches per capita. It was called the city of churches. Um, I mean, I know within the one block radius of my house, there's maybe ten. That's a one block radius. Maybe ten churches. A few of them are are mega churches. Hmm. Like I can, you know. And I was like, you know, for Birmingham to have so many churches, <laughs> we should have a lot of uh, we have a lot of crime, a lot of you know, dysfunction. Yeah, no um, doubt. So somebody's not doing stuff. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it, and the eternal security thing was kind of a shock that that was even in play. Like, and I, but I understand it from a from a 
uh, a missional perspective because if you're going into places to uh, to preach the gospel and one person is saying, you know, if you believe this this message of you know uh, that you are eternally secure, and then somebody else comes in and says, well. Uh, Maybe not. You know what I'm saying? There's some things you kind of want to. Well, I do, but too. My, my so I can understand is, why that would be an issue for 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 missions. But yeah, that's where you. That is where you do the follow and, up, and, and that's and that and that also is why it's it's harder to. So if you're working with an Armenian group, well, who doesn't believe in uh, the perseverance of the saints in the same way that maybe a, a group that is more reformed, mm-hmm. maybe Reformed Baptist. That could affect how a group could work together. But I'm thinking of the missionaries that have been saved since childhood, and they were they were baptized in a family church, and yeah. and they believe in every point of doctrine, because they go to a different church when they're an adult. Where you're baptized, as opposed to yeah. Now that's that's a bit stretched. That's I guess what people yeah, that's what I was like, tripping over. But I think because there was a time where we're, you know, like my family is a family church in Birmingham. It's Primitive Baptist. That's where most of my family members go. Um, not my immediate family, but just extended family. And everybody goes to that church, and they'll probably go to that church until they die, and there's probably nothing that can happen to make them leave that church. And there was a time where people were loyal to churches, more, even more so than they were to the gospel. You know what I'm saying? It's like, And so I could see for a long time where they would say, well, if somebody was baptized in this church, they probably believe what this church teaches, and they probably will not depart from it ever. But people are not as dogmatic like that anymore. So I can understand why that rule was in place and now it may be safe to, you know, mainly because, you know, the generation that we came up in now, nobody wants to believe what their parents believe. You'll <laughs> change absolutely. it. Ju- you'll change it just because that's, a, that's a, very true. You know, just because they believed it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, people just don't walk in lockstep anymore. So mm-hmm. I. So I think that getting rid of that was a, was was a good idea, but I could see why it was there in the first place. Yeah. All right. Well, a lot of good discussion. Um, a lot of the good discussion, as Joshua mentioned in the hall. Obviously, some voicemails here. If we get some more on this issue, um, I don't think anybody will mind um, a follow up listener feedback next week. Um, I think we're going to shut this topic down for now. Um, <laughs> we joked about the contact info, but we do have Twitter at my gospel friends. If you want Look, to throw a comment there, Emmanuel and I are both here. Wow. We are the two. Contact info haters, haters, which is why I'm going to get it through it very quickly because y'all could okay, physically I'm harm me. The it's, it's, on the phone. it's not a time thing. I'm it's starting a, the time. It's like church announcements. Like, that's, why? <laughs> you also realize I'm the announcement uh, guy. So I like, do realize you're the announcement guy. Why do y'all do that? <coughs> Worship God. Wow. God wow. doesn't care what you're doing on Thursday night at six o'clock. He just doesn't. Okay, you realize that point people to Christ, not the, to your not to your church function. You realize I'm the guy. Do that, that before that the does service. Stuff that or, the elders direct, right? So you should yell at the guy who was here a second ago. Yeah, I actually heard a story about that this morning. Nick and Chase getting into it about announcements and when church started. Oh, we may or may not have tussled once in the sound booth and both had to apologize Nick, one Nick other said, way. Never yeah. again. <laughs>
Never again. Stop wasting my time with Never your announcements. All right. Well, I'll waste as little time as possible. At my gospel friends on Twitter, <laughs> hallofdogma.com will redirect to the Facebook group where uh, this and many other interesting discussions happen. Um, we, we, we laugh together. We fuss at one another. And we also uh, bear one another's burdens in, in prayer and um, trying to encourage one another. So please feel free to join that community. And... Um, Bear with us because we're a little kooky. Uh, we've got email, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Uh, voicemail is a couple different ways. Uh, G, uh, Google Voice, 205-575-9735, or speakpipe.com. Um, if long distance is an issue, speakpipe.com slash thegospelfriends. Was, also, that was that better? Also, smoke signals, carrier pigeon, Morse code. You can walk over here. Yeah, Josh did. Door. Feet <laughs> is, is popular. Yeah. Feet um, is popular. We should give out David's home ad- home address. I would be so okay with that. It's not even funny. Um, all right. So, well, since David has had nothing to say this week, I'm going to leave us with the humorous uh, charm of one Mr. Mark Adams. Hi, guys. It's Mark from Northern Ireland again. Um, just another wee story. Just after the Irish Ecumenical Service of Ireland, the free clergy had to decide what to do with the collection. So the Irish priest, he went down on his knees and drew a circle. And he said, we'll throw the money in the air, what lies inside the circle we keep, what lies outside the circle God keeps. Now, the Irish Presbyterian minister said, I like that, but we'll throw the money in the air at what lies outside the circle we'll keep, and what lies inside the circle God keeps. And the Irish pastor said, I like that, but we'll change it a wee bit more. We'll throw the money in the air, and what God wants, he can keep. Congratulations on a year of podcasting about God and cereal. I've really enjoyed it, and I hope you keep it up for years to come. Bye, guys. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for following us. Thanks for the hearts. And uh, we're going to get started. Does anyone need to call for take off a belt? No, David's not here. To, oh, wait. We're not supposed to say David's not here today, do we? Are we? This part is all going to get edited out. Okay. I don't need to cough. Okay. Um, so we're going to have to know what the show is being brought to us by. David. Well, bro, Emmanuel's going to play the part of David today. I was already starting. Sorry, that's what I. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> my bad. Okay, so we'll do that again. Periscope okay. people, I'm sorry. Hey, like there's I said, prep, we're not professionals. A, we're getting there. There's a prep but. issue involved. Um, so the hearts, good news. The hearts are good news. Yeah, we're getting a lot of hearts. Sweet. Twenty-eight people following us live. Shout out to Periscope. Thanks for watching. Like I said, tell your friends. Tell the world. 
Um, we will be That's here with cool. you for the next. Uh, we're kind of long winded, so we'll at least be here with you for for the next hour. Oh, Lord only knows that. All right. Yeah. Hey, if you would, let us know, uh, for posterity's sake, where you're watching from. Like I said, we're, oh, we're just outside of Birmingham, Alabama. But if you'd let us know city, state, country, all that kind of good stuff, that would be awesome. Sweet. All right, here we go. Oh, hold on. Oh, boy. Uh, Phoebe is planning on marrying Seth. So Awesome. There you go. My daughter and your son, match made in heaven. Unfortunately, my daughter's only three. How old is your son? He'll be six in June. So. Okay. So that's close be, enough. <laughs> they can be betrothed. There you go. There you go. Uh, the problem, Chase, is that uh, she told him that she was going to marry him. Not surprised. <laughs> She's an aggressive little three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I've never noticed. That's the little girl who knows what she wants. All right. There shout out to Watt Chris in Seattle. Uh, who else? Where are you from? Let us mixer. know. Let, let us hey, know. Hey, don't hate on the audio mixer. We got to do what we got to do. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're not we're not professional and we're not rich, but uh, we do have uh, a lot of followers on Twitter. Does that what, count for anything? What do you mean you're not rich? You got an iPhone six over there. You got an iPad Mini here. You got a laptop. Okay, we are rich. I just didn't think that would sell very well with a Christian podcast. <laughs> nice. Hashtag no Creflo. There you go. Yeah. Chicago, shout out to you, Nilsa G6. Thanks for watching. We'll get started eventually. We're kind of slow at that. I think Nick's wanting to get started there. I'm kind of waiting, yeah, for you to okay. finish. I'll shut up. <laughs> Look, it's weird with the, the live audience, but the, the show. It's, 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 it's a, a new dynamic for it's us. It's a new dynamic. Fun. Yeah. All right, so thanks for bearing with us on the dynamic. We're going to get started. Arlington, Texas. Shout oh, out to you. Uh, oh, Ranger. I missed your name. Thank you, Nilsa. God bless you, too. All right, so I'm just going to play it off like, all right, David, where are you at? Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. Uh, I'm ready. Okay, I'm, i got to stop. This is going to be the after show. I can already. <laughs> yeah. All right.